You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Welcome back to the Paracast with Gene and Chris. And as you regular listeners know, we have a place in our forums at forum.theparacast.com that we call the Question Bank. And what we do every week is we give you the opportunity, when we have enough warning, and sometimes we don't, to ask questions of our guests. That's kind of impersonal, I guess, in a sense, because you're hearing Chris read the questions mostly, or me, and you don't hear the voices of the actual listener. Now, here are a couple of problems, and you'll understand why it works this way. We pre-record this show, and the reason is that most guests don't want to be awakened at midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning or something on a Sunday morning to do a paranormal radio show. We know there's a certain radio show that does that live. We know that years ago, Long John Nebel would have people come between midnight and 5 a.m., and they would come on, they would spend all night doing a radio show and get free sandwiches and everything for their efforts. But we try to make it convenient for the guest. And as a result, we don't take live phone calls. Now, we're looking at alternatives. How can we have you listeners interact in some fashion with the guests and do it in a way that is more personal, that we hear you asking your question? So, Chris, an idea was specified or suggested in our forums. What about that? Yeah, it was, Jane. And, and I, I, geez, you know, we should have come up with this uh, a while ago. What we're proposing is having folks send in their questions recorded as MP3s, which we can then monitor, view, put in order, and ask our guests by playing these questions live uh, during the taping for our guests to respond to. And I think it's a great idea. I think it helps the show um, sound more immediate and also gives, uh, you know, our wonderful forum bunch out there the opportunity to uh, more personally interact with our guests. And uh, we do have an incredible community on our forums, uh, some really bright, up-to-speed folks. And I think this will give them an opportunity to feel even more involved in the Paracast. This is going to be a fascinating idea. I mean, there are different ways of doing it. One is for those who post questions in the question bank will also give us an MP3 copy of themselves reading the question. That's one way. Maybe set up some kind of audible chat system. We have to figure out how this is going to be done. We're not 100% sure of the best way. We welcome your suggestions. As I said, it's not possible to take live phone calls, or maybe that's a possibility that we'd set it up so we receive phone calls during the course of the show, but then it gets pretty complicated. I think it'd be a lot better if we can just have the audio, play it at our leisure when it's appropriate, but also have the hard copy in the forum. So this way, when you do send a question, we know that someone else hasn't asked the question. It makes it easier for everyone. So we have to see how that works. We have to find a way to embed the MP3 files in the forum. It's not really built to be that way. Yeah, I think we can do it. You can upload an audio file, can't you, and post it? Well, right now it's not allowed as an attachment extension, but I've added the feature for MP3, so we're going to experiment with it. All this arcane back-end stuff that can get very confusing. So there you go. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times on the show, by the way, we talk about unusual people who do unusual things or have unusual experiences. And I don't know, Chris, if you've ever heard of a guy named Dr. Steve Mann. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell, Gene. He's a tenured professor who believes in augmented reality. And for, I guess, the last 30 years or so, he has worn various iterations of a headpiece. You know, it's like the original propeller head. And he wears these goggles and something attached to his head 
24-7 with which to sense wow. the world around him. Bizarre. I don't, I don't know if I believe in that sort of augmentation, but I'm pretty kind of cool with some female aug- augmentation that I've seen. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. I know, I know. But we won't get into that because this is a family radio show. Okay, so I understand now that Dr. Mann, a tenured professor, by the way, his name's Steve Mann, he's a tenured professor at the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering over at the University of Toronto. He's gone to MIT, and he's not gone to MIT in the sense that, like, a Phil Ambrogno went to MIT, which, of course, he didn't. This is somebody with a legitimate degree, legitimate credentials, published professor, and he wears this gear. And if you look at him without the gear, he's a regular, easygoing-looking guy. He has a wife and kids, and here's a weird story. Now, imagine somebody who wears this gear 24-7. Now, imagine he's traveling in France. And France, they have all sorts of privacy things, like they don't want you taking photographs of people and stuff like that. Okay? All right. So, here's where we go. He goes to a McDonald's with his kids and his wife in France. And they say, you can't wear that here. The goggles. Now, understand the goggles are attached to his skull. He'd have to have them almost surgically removed, okay? So he gives a doctor's note. He has this doctor's note he presents to the clerk or the cashier over at McDonald's. This is McDonald's is saying you can't come in here looking in France. like that? Yeah. Really? So, right. So the cashier says, that's fine. But I have to ask my supervisor. So the supervisor says, no, you can't do that. And takes, supposedly takes his doctor's note and rips it up. And an altercation ensues. And man and his family, they're thrown out of McDonald's. I'm serious. <laughs> what a bizarre story. Right. Surgically implanted to his head, huh? Okay. Right. Has some kind of mesh or net that he puts onto his head. Well, what, what brought this on, Gene? You know, we talk about crazy people in the field. And I was thinking here... Here's a legitimate scientist, credentialed scientist. Now we go back into the UFO field in the 1960s, and we had the mystic barber running around with his little wearable propellers or whatever, channeling aliens, I guess. <laughs> and we have to think of the contrast where we have this wacky guy, the mystic barber, Andy Sinatra, who was a, was a very, 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 very distant cousin, I guess, to Frank Sinatra, wearing this crazy headgear. In fact, there's a picture of him in front of the UN with the crazy headgear. I guess summoning ET or something like that. And now we have, since the 1980s, Dr. Steve Mann, look him up, by the way, in Wikipedia. I'm being perfectly serious. A family man, tenured professor with a real MIT degree who runs around the world wearing this headpiece to sense augmented reality. I guess his goal is for everybody eventually to be able to wear this helmet. Just don't line it with tinfoil. People might talk. I don't know what it's lined with. I mean, the guy is a serious scientist. I mean, just because somebody has a real PhD doesn't mean they're necessarily normal. By the way, in case you're looking at this, if you go to the Wikipedia entry, this thing happened... On July 1st, 2012, the alleged McDonald's assault at the Champs-Élysées at a McDonald's restaurant in Paris. Three employees allegedly assaulted man as a result of this gear he wears. Boy, I'll tell you, those French, they sure aren't very uh, friendly. 
And you see now our listeners in France are going to feel we've insulted them. But we haven't. Well, no, I, I, can't, I can't say all French people are like that. But, uh, boy, if you go into a McDonald's and get assaulted because you have something drilled into your head that you can't take out, I mean, what are you going to do? Hmm. Well, I guess he can't have Egg McMuffins anymore. He's got to go to Wendy's. I wonder what Wendy's would do. Hmm. Today we're bringing back an old friend of the show, former co-host. Yay. He is one of the good guys in the UFO field. He's Greg Bishop, and he's got something going on here where he's going to be revealing some information about... The aviary. The aviary? Correct. Uh, all those bird guys that uh, we were hearing about in the late 80s, early 90s. Falcon, eagle, hawk, um, penguin. They didn't have a buzzer, did they? Uh, I'm not sure. But I, I understand think Jim Mosley was in the running to be buzzered. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't but they work. Did have, they did have uh, penguin, which I think. Who was Penguin? We'll have to we'll have to go go down the it, list. It wasn't the late Burgess Meredith who played the Penguin on TV in the Batman TV series. I think it was Alexander, wasn't he Penguin? We'll have to ask Greg. He's he's uh, up on the bird. Well, Danny course. DeVito played the Penguin in the movie series directed by Tim Burton. We have Greg Bishop joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. All whey protein powders are not created equal. Fresh liquid whey has been used for hundreds of years to restore health to the sick and youth to the aging. Why is it that no one reports these benefits from today's whey protein powders? It is because they are all processed with heat or chemicals which damages them, making them a burden for your body and making it more likely to cause allergies. One World Whey's True Cool process retains all the powerful properties of fresh raw whey in a concentrated powder. One World Whey is speeding up the body's ability to get healthy and it is replacing the need for many other supplements. To learn how One World Way may help you with fat loss, the elimination of inflammation and pain, detoxification of heavy metals, intestinal health, brain function, and increases in strength, energy, and muscle size, call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. We want to know, how do you use WebEx? I live in my car, sometimes a rental car. Every day, I find a nice, quiet place to pull over and meet a client through WebEx, face-to-face on my smartphone. This is the way to do business. The new free version of WebEx Meetings lets you take your office anywhere, your desktop, laptop, or mobile device. Get your free WebEx Meetings basic account now at WebEx.com. WebEx from Cisco. W-E-B-E-X.com. Webex.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800 686 We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have a very, very, very special guest, neighbors. The return of Greg Bishop to the Paracast. It's been a while now. During the time that we were using guest co-hosts, Greg was kind enough to do several shows with us. We had some really great programs, and we had Walter Bosley and a number of other really fascinating guests, and they'll be back in the future. But right now, we're going to talk to Greg about a very curious part of the UFO field, I guess the world of disinformation. Is that what the aviary is all about, about disinformation? Well, that's the effect of it, yeah, um, the main effect of it. But it, that, that's not the whole thing about the aviary. It's a very complicated um, story, and people choose to look at little bits of it and make their opinion. Maybe we can change that a little bit. Well, let's look at what we know about this. I mean, we've read all sorts of contradictory stories. So let's do a backgrounder here, a 101 aviary presentation. Explain to our listeners what this is about, what this organization is allegedly about, and why should we even care? Well, they're not around anymore. I, I believe they've mostly disbanded, and some of the people keep in touch still because of mutual interests. But what it was was a group of people that worked for the government, the U.S. government. They had a mutual interest in the UFO subject and other paranormal things. And they, for the most part, worked for uh, military and intelligence or both. There were people in it that were in Air Force intelligence, in, in the CIA, 
a few other places. Uh, uh, John Alexander was in there, although he denies it. John Alexander, by the way, has been on the Paracast, but he won't admit to this why. I have no idea. I confronted him once, and I, I, had, I was trying to get to the bottom of this um, Falcon thing, maybe by uh, bugging him about it, and he said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, well, then I guess I've been lied to by a few people for a few years. <laughs> and he said, apparently, and then that was the end of it. Wasn't he supposedly Penguin? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to tell you that Burgess Meredith was a Penguin, or was it Danny DeVito? I think you're both wrong. I but, think you're, yeah, those, those two are right. There's a lot of penguins. That's the problem with the, all this uh, secrecy stuff. <laughs> okay, so the ridiculousness of this. I mean, in some ways, it's just absurd. Why would these people even be together in the first place? What was the purpose of this group, and why did they choose bird names? They didn't choose the names. Uh, that's another uh, misconception. UFO researcher Bill Moore and his partner, uh, research partner, Jamie Chandere, chose these names. They were put in touch with this group because, for a lot of reasons, uh, mainly to, uh, to get a handle on the UFO community and what they were doing and what they thought and they believed. They were brought into this group to serve that purpose. And um, so they, it, it, none of this was official. That's another thing people don't realize. It wasn't some, like, thing where it's, uh, you know, they, they got together in meetings and, you know, and met and had minutes and, you know, and there's records. None of that. I mean, it was an informal group. It was put up, it was uh, that way from the inception. And um, at a certain point, uh, this guy Falcon uh, decided that the, they were going to um, use the group for other purposes. And uh, the bird names came from Bill Moore and Jamie Chandray saying, we need to talk about these people over the phone or when we're in public in a restaurant. We're going to assign names to these people, bird names, and then we can use, you know, we can use those names without fear of people uh, figuring out who they are. That, that was the main reason for the bird names. And the, but the group themselves didn't run around saying, hi, I'm Penguin, hi, I'm Falcon, no, not at hi, all. I'm Vulture. Yeah, for, for that matter, I'm not even sure if they knew they had bird names at the time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? Now, now, give us a time frame here. We're talking 78, 79, uh, 80. Oh, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah time, uh, time frame. Uh, 78, 79, or was this the early 80s? I, I'm a little hazy on that. When, when Chandra and more? I think that they existed in some form before 1980, but they came to the attention or were introduced to Bill Moore probably around 80, 81, something like that. Um, Do I take this all happened after Bill Moore worked with Charles Burlitz on the Roswell book? Yes, I think okay. that was the reason that Bill Moore was brought in. They, he received a phone call after being interviewed at a radio station, uh, I think in Albuquerque. He received two, but the second one, I think, was in Albuquerque. And the person on the other end of the line said, we think you're the only person that knows what they're talking about, i.e. based on the Roswell book, and we'd like to talk to you. Is that then an admission that what he said about Roswell was accurate? No, it was a it was a way. Well, it could be. Uh, it was flattering for one thing. No, what it was was a, a way to get him interested in and uh, to meet with uh, this guy Falcon and see that uh, see if he could um, be of any assistance to them. They contacted other UFO researchers, but only a few, and some of them agreed to work with them, I believe, and some of them didn't. Okay, let's look before we go into the interactions. What other UFO researchers were contacted, and how do we know that? 
Once again, the only way we know it is from Bill Moore, and he said there were others, but he couldn't reveal who they were because it wasn't his business, and I don't think he was actually 100% sure. Um, a lot of people have pointed fingers at Bruce Maccabee. I really don't know. I mean, it seems to make sense, but I, I can't say for sure. And um, Also, people like Dr. J. Allen Hynek, perhaps Jacques Vallée. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, perhaps Jacques Vallée, but you have to remember Jacques Vallée was, it was, and I don't think still is, an American citizen. I, I don't think he is. I'm not sure. Um, so I don't think that he'd be privy to a lot of the, uh, some of the intelligence secrets. Well, you know, the, you know, the French are allies, obviously, um, but it's not, uh, they're not uh, United States, you know, he's not a United States citizen, so I, I doubt that he was... Uh, approached and if he, uh, I don't think he needed to be approached. I think he knew enough people that he moved in those circles anyway. So if they needed to contact him, pick up the phone, say Jacques, we have a problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he ever really did anything active in the way that people think that the the UFO community was contacted and used in the in the um, aviary context, or at least the Billmore context. Um, but I think he knew enough and knew enough people that. Yeah, I think he was questioned and asked, and his opinion was considered very carefully by certain people when, they, when it needed to be. Now, before we get into more details, why do we believe Bill Moore when he says these things? Oh, is that, is that one of the questions that came up on the forums, I bet? No, that's one of mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the, the reason I believe him is mainly, um, and this is going to be weak for many people, he's a friend of mine, and I never caught him in a lie. Um. He's told me a lot of things that I've never talked about uh, that turned out to be true. He's led me in directions that turned out to be useful and fruitful, and I have no reason to think he would lie to me. Um, uh, at least I haven't found any yet. And I, I haven't really talked to him very much at all in the last few years. He's, he's taken retiring from the UFO community very seriously now. He doesn't interact with anyone. No, not at all. No. Greg's one of the few, if one of the only. Greg, uh, who else uh, do we know with a fair degree of certainty um, were in this particular group, and, and how do th their particular bird names associate with particular individuals? We'll get that answer in a moment. We have to do this break. Greg Bishop joining us, telling us about the life and times of the aviary, a very peculiar intelligence type of organization involved in the UFO field. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. 
stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created TGen. TGen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of TGen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try TGen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. TGen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. BePrepared.com heats up July with the hottest sale on the web. Going on now, save 28% on freeze-dried raspberries or save on our three-day light emergency kit, a $50 value. This month, just $30.99. Plus, all one-year supplies are on sale at BePrepared.com. This month, save over $350 on our traditional 2,000-year supply of food. Now, just $12.99.99. And get a hand grain mill free. Or choose our most popular year supply, the Premium 2000. It gives you 2,000 calories per day from a variety of nutritious meals for one whole year. Save over $7. plus get a free Catadine Hiker water filter, a $75 value. More details and more hot July savings at BePrepared.com now through July 31st. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and BePrepared.com's low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Greg Bishop, former Paracast co-host and friend of the show joining us. We're talking about the aviary, and we'll soon reveal, I guess, who Falcon was. But a question was asked by Chris before the break about the membership of the group, what the names were, how we know this, etc. Well, the only way we know it is that I think that people sort of figured it out over the years, maybe through hints from Bill Moore and, 
etc. At the time it was going on, nobody even knew it existed. I mean, up to probably 1989 when Bill Moore announced that he had been working with some of these people. Nobody even knew that the group existed. And since then, people have made guesses about who these people were. Um, one, one name that comes up a lot that's been fairly well-documented is Hal Putoff. If people know who that is. Um, I don't Explain I, who Hal Putoff is. Okay. I was, we have to identify all the people here. Not everybody plays the inside was, uh, baseball uh, game. Yeah, He was in Navy and maybe in Naval Intelligence. And then after that... He became a uh, research scientist. He was he was one of the people that was um, responsible for the remote viewing program. He did testing on Yuri Geller very early on. He and uh, another scientist, Russell Targ, um, began very preliminary uh, testing for the for the what became the remote viewing program in the late seventies. Um, he's always been interested in UFOs and the paranormal. He was a co-author of a great paper about. Um, What's what's the word? Uh, theoretical physics and how it can support the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which I always champion, even though I'm not an ETH person. Anyway, important person in the history of um, official uh, uh, interest in the paranormal and UFOs. He's still important. Um, he's yes, working, he still is, of course. Uh, he's working with uh, defense contracts in Austin right now with a um, you know with a physics think tank. And uh, is very still very active in in the field uh, of science and theoretical physics. He and Jack Sarfati have had a a bit of a uh, how would I put it um, professional disagreement over zero point energy and uh, that has gone kind of burbled underneath the surface of uh, ufology for a number of years. Um, have been uh, very public in their in their differences um, over. Trying to, um, I think the main difference is is uh, basing their theories uh, on Einstein's theory of relativity and keeping that in 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 mind. And I think it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure which one of them is trying to adhere to relativity and the other one is not. It's either Sarfati is or, or Putoff is, and they've they've kind of been disagreeing for a while professionally. But but Hal is still very active, and uh, as you mentioned, Greg was very involved early on. Um, with CIA-funded projects at the Stanford Research Institute, which then became, yeah. uh, um, you know, the the early Ingo Swan, Pat Price remote viewing uh, protocols and experiments. Okay, yeah. so what was his bird name? I believe he was Owl. Okay. okay yeah. So we have like... Owl, who's Hal put <laughs> he has, off. He has big owl-like eyes, so that that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, who else? I believe one of them was, um, as we mentioned before, um, Bruce Maccabee, who was called Seagull because he was, uh, I believe, because he was in, uh, associated with the Navy. Yeah, so, O-N-I. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like Chris might know more than me, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Um, Jack Verona, who's a um, kind of a uh, shadowy figure that no really nobody really knows about. I've seen him on a roster of the Defense Intelligence Agency from 1981 as head of one of their programs. Um, Kit Green, obviously people have heard of him. He used to work at the CIA, uh, used to field all their strange questions about weird phenomena, UFOs, etc., um, mainly because he has an in had an interest in it personally. Um, I think Kit is working with Hal currently. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, right, I, believe so, I, yeah. I believe he's a... Um, I believe he's a medical doctor. Is he the one that's a medical doctor and he's working in Detroit somewhere? I'm not sure about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Or is it Eric yeah. Davis? It's, I, it might be Eric Davis that's working with Hal. 
Okay. Yeah, I think it's Eric Davis. Eric yeah. Davis is a fascinating guy. I got to talk to him for a few hours once. Physicist. Uh, he wasn't one yeah. of the aviary people. Uh, John Alexander, as we've mentioned before, um, also heavily involved in the um, uh, remote viewing programs and very interested in the paranormal and UFOs for a long time. But Alexander denies this. What was the bird name again? Do you remember what it was, uh, Chris? I can't remember, John. I, I thought he was Penguin, but you know, I could oh, yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. If, if, I, I've always wondered who Dodo was. I, it's either Dan Smith or Sarfati. I, well, the, the, I remember some, Dodo was pan, yeah. battered about. I think people. some people were added later by other people. They weren't originally part of the core group that Moore and Sandaway were dealing with. Like I said, uh, Dan Smith or people like that, I, I'm not sure if they were part of the core group. I'm, I'm sure there's people that are yelling and screaming, listening now, saying, you know, you're wrong and this and that. But I was more, I'm more concerned about how the, the interaction was between them, the UFO community, the government, all that. I, I can't remember who the, the names, all the names of the people, but the, the main players I, I've just listed. Well, what other birds are out there that we haven't been able to attach a name to? I mean, there's obviously, uh, I would think that there would be an eagle, there'd be a hawk, there'd be a falcon, there'd be, you know, some of the more popular bird names out there. What are the other bird names that you've heard associated with the aviary? Oh, I think there was Hawk, yes. I can't remember who that was. It might might have been um, Robert Collins, or maybe he was Condor. That's right, Robert Collins was Condor. Uh, Richard Doty, and I, he might have been Hawk. I'm not sure about that either. But Now, uh, Richard Doty has got to be one of the more peculiar characters involved in the peripheral of the UFO field. Tell us what you know about Doty. Well, what I know is, like the other aviary members, he had a deep interest in the, and still does, in the UFO subject. He was working for the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, although some people are now saying he was working for Air Force Intelligence, which is slightly different. AFOSI is kind of like the FBI or police force of the Air Force. It's kind of like their equivalent of MCIS. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They basically are, you know, they investigate um, allegations and suspicions of um, criminal activity in the Air Force. Okay, so he was a cop, maybe. Now, Richard Doty... Supposedly has done some screwy things. His name, by the way, once again was... I can't remember. It might have been Hawk. I'm, I don't think so, though. Uh, I'll tell you something, though. I've been in touch on and off occasionally with Richard Doty. I've yeah. invited him onto the Paracast. I say, let's talk the issues. And he's very suspicious and says, on the one hand, I guess I'll come on. And then when I say, let's confirm it, he disappears. Yeah. Well, he, he he likes doing that. I think it's just I don't I think it's part flakiness, but part also that he likes to keep a mystique about himself, and that's just the way he is. Um, is he possibly a pretender to some degree? He's seeking more prominence than he might otherwise deserve. I don't know what he deserves, really. I mean, it's not a question of deserve. I think he just likes. He likes messing with people. How about a swift people. kick in the behind? <laughs> he likes messing with people. I don't, you know, people get very upset about, it's like, why do you talk to Doty? And he's a horrible person. It's like, well, you know what? His job is to deceive people, or used to be, and he likes it. I treat him as that. I, I you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's right. I wouldn't do it, and I think it's caused problems for people. But I want to find, you know, I like the guy personally. He was okay with me. He's not, a, you know, he's not a best friend or anything like that. But I wanted to find out what made him tick, and, and that's the other part of this whole equation. If you don't listen and you don't play the game, you get nothing. But you, if you decide to listen, play the game, and try and sort out the wheat from the chaff and the you know, needle in the haystack and all that, 
you might get something. But if you don't listen to these people and you get self-righteously indignant and say these people are horrible, you know, that, that's the wrong way to go about it, I think. That's, that's, that's the uh, uh, black and white thinking, which, which I think stops a lot of people from learning. And that, that's unfortunate. The key to try to understand their motivations for being involved, what they did, at least in terms of what they reveal about what they did. I assume if this was real and they were genuinely involved in intelligence work, they'd be under all sorts of security restrictions, right? Yeah, well, of course they would. And the other thing about this that that I believe was going on is, like I said, MJ, I mean, sorry, the, <laughs> the aviary was not an official group. It was just a group of people that happened to be given a name by Bill Moore and Jamie Shander, right? Okay, this is an artificial designation. We'll get into more. Uh, yeah. The aviary and the makeup of the aviary and what they may or may not have done in the field. We have Greg Bishop joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. So call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does it mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General 
total steel first. Call 898-STEEL today and save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details and your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com, UtopiaSilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. The murky world of disinformation, intelligence, and who knows what, exploring the aviary. Yeah, I've got a whole list. Of course, it comes from Richard Boylan, so... Oh, that one. Yeah, I remember that. He did that. Yeah, a list of what? We're talking about a list of the names... Yes. Yeah. Names uh, and who, they're, blue, who was in it and what their designations were. Yeah. Well, here they are. I've got a whole list here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Chris has this list of people who may or may not have been part of the aviary and their bird names. Chris. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a. Uh, yeah, I found it from, too. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, the bird name of Richard Boylan. Um, blue Jay was Kit Green. Uh, green and blue. That's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Ron Pandolfi, who used to be the deputy director of the Division of Science and Technology for the CIA, was uh, Pelican, supposedly. Hal Putoff, as we mentioned, was Owl. We don't know who Raven was, but uh, candidates are Kissinger, uh, Edward Teller, and Brent Scowcroft. Penguin was supposedly Alexander. Ernie Kellerstrauss, uh, interesting oh, yeah. character, uh, was Hawk. Who was he? Again, he was a Wright-Patterson Air Force Base guy in the 70s. Um, I believe he was a colonel, and uh, Bill told me a couple stories about him actually giving him hints about go to where to look for things um, in records and specifically also uh, underground stuff. He actually gave him hints about it, and um, uh, he had some contact with all these people, and he was in the loop in, in, in the aviary, yes, it's a name that doesn't get uh, mentioned. Very. No, no, that's that's he's one of those uh, kind of skirt around the uh, the shadows type guys. According to Boylan, uh, there's some question. Possibly Jacques Vallée was Partridge. Bruce Maccabee was Siegel. Uh, C.B. Scott Jones, another uh, kind of peripheral figure that I think is uh, overlooked oftentimes, uh, was Chickadee. Condor again, as you mentioned, was uh, Robert Collins. Uh, Doty was Falcon. Uh, Bill Moore himself may have been Sparrow in conversations with Jamie. Dale Graff, uh, another interesting peripheral character, uh, could have been Harrier. Uh, Jack Verona, as you mentioned before, uh, was designated 
with a question mark, Nightingale. And Jamie Shandera, I guess, uh, between him and Bill, uh, was Woodpecker, I guess. I don't think uh, they gave themselves names, unless, at least I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, Richard Doty, I think, was referred to as Sparrow, as, you know, especially in light of the fact that Falcon was a completely different person. <laughs> okay, I love this one. Uh, a Gordon novel was Buzzard. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> and Dan Smith was Chicken Little. And I, yeah, I, I think Jack Sarfati was Dodo. I, I, I've heard that, but I'm, I, I won't swear to it. Those Again, last few people were not even around. Yeah, as, the, these as, are all as, affiliates. As, yeah. yeah. But, but again, you know, listeners, caveat emptor, don't take any of this uh, as gospel. This is uh, coming from the um, <clears throat> creative mind of Richard Boylan from about 1995, 96. Yeah. But this is a very fascinating subject. And, and as we discussed with John Alexander, there have been informal groups that have been put together to study, uh, you know, the width and breadth and extent of government and military knowledge about the UFO subject. It, uh, you know, this is highly compartmentalized. But I, I just I've always loved this whole kind of scenario because uh, to me it's so like theatrical and, and has all these these wonderful potential Hollywood elements and I, I could see a great movie coming out of uh, the aviary, you know, these guys getting together. And, I mean, it just has all these real, real dramatic sort of overtones. But, yeah, and um, you have to make up something that didn't happen whatsoever at all in real life to um, have a, have a storyline. Uh, well, I mean, you could probably come up with a, with a few interpersonal reality show type um, twists that might uh, – <laughs> Gordon Novel getting caught up a telephone pole in the Black Forest at the Stan Lee case. I love that one. You have to think what kind of reality show this would be. Imagine sending James Fox and the crew chasing UFOs after the aviary. Well, maybe we, we could invent a whole new genre of television, call it surreality TV. Yes. I've, I've talked about that probably with you or other people as a joke, but it, Chris is I'm halfway serious. It would be fun. Explain yeah. this to people, because this is getting really obscure. What, about, about surreality TV? Yes. It, it's, it's, I've heard this kicked around before. Just everything's so silly with reality TV right now. Why not just kick it up a notch and make it even more insane and, un, and unreal, but make people think it is? You right. know, it's, it, it, This is way off the subject, but it's pretty damn funny. Yeah. Where bl- bitch project. <laughs> okay, folks. Now... This is the entire group here. Now, Falcon, we have two different individuals who were allegedly Falcon, right? Yeah. Um, Richard Doty and this other guy, which I've already announced, but we'll leave that in the background for right now. Why Doty? Is he supposed to have been the ringleader then? No, no. Doty was never a ringleader of anything. He was, he was working for the AFOSI, and he was doing uh, their work, and he was also doing the work of a um, supposedly a um, this person Falcon who had been tasked with um, finding Russian agents and passing messages back and forth and doing all that because he'd done it for years he'd been doing it since the nineteen late forties. Now uh, this aviary was it strictly UFOs or was there some other intelligence related work that they were supposed to be involved in? Uh, well, the, they weren't involved in UFO intelligence work. I don't think there's even such a thing. What I think they were involved with was trying to find out for themselves what was uh, what the government knows about the UFO subject. They were basically what what UFO researchers are, except like maybe a level or two up in the in the sense that they had access to 
people, records, um, ways of uh, finding things out that most people don't. So what they did was they banded together so that they could uh, use each other's um, expertise, connections, and all that to try and find out what was going on with the UFO subject, how much the government knew. And they were trying to answer the same questions we all are. Now, that's Uh, curious here. You'd think that an organization like that made up of present and former intelligence officials would be really skirting a very narrow thread or tightrope here trying to find out information about the subject. Why would they Why would they be doing that? It's just like if you be at work and you're trying to find out what's going on with a certain project, if you didn't have any access to it, you might be able to find well, out. Well, the question is need to know. I mean, we have that compartmentalization. Yeah, well, it, there's, uh, I think uh, a lot of people, specifically Grant Cameron, have made the, the uh, case that there really isn't any secrecy with the UFO subject and the government. We know the government knows about it. We know the government is concerned with it, and we know that they know something. But what that something is is the question: what what, what they know and what they think about it. Um, I think that's you know that that's that's what the uh, these people are trying to find out. Go at the re, the reality of the of the project, uh, the reality of the the uh, subject through official channels and back channels, and trying to get information that way to to confirm for themselves that there you know, really is some reality behind the UFO thing. Because I think they all thought and still think that. They, they went about looking for that information a little differently than you and I would. They didn't look at cases and, and case files and MUFON files and UFO books. They, they looked at uh, you know, reports to the Air Force and, report, and you know, uh, communications between different departments and all that stuff, and, and people that had had personal experiences that don't really share it in public but might share it with a colleague. Okay, so if we have an above-top-secret interest in UFOs in the government, wherever, a black project, whatever, wouldn't they come to these people and say, you know what, don't talk about this, move away, or does that draw more attention to the subject? Well, I, I think these people know these a lot of these people specifically you know um uh put off alexander uh kit green um pandolfi know what the game is they know the rules of the game they know how to play it they know whose toes to step on and who's not to step on they know how to get around things and they know you know uh, like i said they they know that intelligence game so that they're they're playing with rules that we have no idea about um and they're using those rules, and they, I, don't think they, I don't think they skirted the rules. I think they probably tried to go in between them to try and find out some of these things for themselves. I don't think they, for, for, you know, for my opinion, I don't think they ever found out what they wanted to find out. And what, what the, the end conclusion for all this, and I, if you ever got Hal put off or one of these people on, I think they'd say the same thing. We found out the government's very interested. They know a lot more than they're saying, and that's it. But the you know, but they're not gonna they're not gonna reveal what it is because it's just too destabilizing, and I don't think it's what what disclosure people and all that uh, think it is. I, I think it's something far stranger and and far more um, unknowable than than most of us think, and that might might also be part of the cover up. Now, speaking of the cover up, I know if you look online, you do a Google of this. There's a fascinating series of interviews that Bob Pratt and Major Donald Kehoe did back, I guess, in the 1970s, where you see where Kehoe was at in terms of his mindset about UFO secrecy. We'll explore a lot more. We have Greg Bishop joining Gene and Chris. You're in... Where'd Chris go? The Paracast. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Greg Bishop rejoining the Paracast, talking about the aviary, possible government disinformation, what the government knows and doesn't know. Now, if you go back, and this is, by the way, in the archives of MUFON, this long set of interviews between Major Kehoe and Bob Pratt. And what you find there is Kehoe was always convinced, 100% convinced, that there was a silence group within the U.S. government, was handling the UFO secrecy, believed that E.T. was here, and that if you gave them the right reason or enough pressure, they would disclose that. But now we're starting to see with an aviary, we have another group of people with intelligence connections who are trying to find out what the government knows about it. It sounds to me like this is really buried under many, many levels. Yeah, well, I think it is. Um, and it's so, I think it's such a complicated subject. I think it's a lot more complicated than most people think. It's not aliens coming here from other planets and they're you know coming here in ships and all that. If it was, I think if it was that simple... Um, there'd probably be more secrecy because it'd be a pretty much a lock on what it is. Um, the fact that it is, you know, I mean, if you read any UFO literature for any amount of time, you realize how, how incredibly strange it is, 
how it affects people that are exposed to it and and um, how unknowable and how indescribable it is for some people, uh, for a lot of people actually. And so it, it's I don't think it's a simple question. I don't think it's a simple solution. And um, I think the people in the government, at least people that sort of know what's going on with the subject, know that. And what are they going to do? Come out and say, well, it's really strange and we don't really know how to handle it, so uh, that's our only explanation. You can't announce that. You have to announce that you have complete control of something and that you know exactly what it is. Well, that may be a legitimate reason for secrecy because you don't want to panic the populace. You want people to believe the government is in control. Of course, nowadays we don't believe the government. We don't believe they know anything. We don't believe they're competent. We don't believe anything they say. And I would think that if the Secretary of Defense tomorrow, and it's not going to happen, folks, don't quote me on this, if the Secretary of Defense tomorrow got on television, national TV, and said, we have this UFO phenomenon, things are flying in our skies, we don't know what they are, they'd laugh at him. They'd laugh him off the podium. Yeah, because he's not saying anything that UFO researchers haven't already said. So it's, it's that old John Keel joke that the U.S. government isn't telling, I mean, UFO researchers aren't telling the U.S. government what they know about UFOs. You know, it's it's a stupid, it's it's a silly sounding joke, but I think there's some truth there. It's it's uh, I think it's unknowable by the vast majority of people who look into it, and it may be unknowable by humans at this point in history because the thing doesn't interact with us in the way that people would expect. There's no give and take. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a direct relationship uh, uh, between whatever this intelligence is and us in the way that we would expect to be in interacting with something. It interacts in a Good, that brings in almost up a, a teasing way, like, I mean, as, as Chris has written about extensively. Well, it brings I, up an interesting I, question, uh, Greg, from Apocalypto, who's been a longtime poster at the forum. He said, uh, well, first of all, he, he kind of gives you a, <laughs> an interesting compliment here. You clearly have a good sense of humor about the subject of UFOs. Does that help you keep things in perspective? But then he goes on to say, Recently, you posted a podcast with the title, Are We Finally Bored with UFOs? So my question is to you, Greg, from Apocalypto, are you bored of it? And if so, what particular aspect of the phenomenon are you tired of? Um, uh, that thing with – it was an interview with uh, Tim Benal, who's a good friend of mine, and we were talking about the UFO subject. He got, he got tired of all the um, – the fighting and the you know the hobbyist nature of it and the basically just the you know people don't one don't have a sense of humor and two don't look for don't see and don't look for a bigger picture. Um, I think that's what we were complaining about and I'm I think you know it's bombast. You put a headline up so people will read it and if people choose to take it seriously, well you know too bad. <laughs> I wasn't totally serious about that. What we're bored with is what I just said. All the stuff surrounding it. Um, I'm not bored with the with the phenomenon itself. I think there's still there there's still something to be explored there. But exploring it in the way that we've been exploring it, as you know, uh, creatures from another planet coming here in structured craft, that that's what we're bored of. I think that I think that idea should be done away with completely. Um, oh man! Not because it's God, I love hearing you say that. <laughs> not because it's wrong, but because it's not interesting. Right. Because we've been saying that for, you know, people have been saying this for 50 years or more, 60 years or more, and it's gotten us nowhere. 
I mean, we still think that. We still haven't solved the problem. So why not look at it in another way? And I'm, right. you know, it's not a baby with the bathwater. Let's throw it out. I'm, I'm, once again, I'm using bombast. Stop concentrating on that, and maybe other ideas right. will come up. Yeah, exactly. Already. I mean, if you look at the literature, any of the writing, like Chris's or Mac Tony's or even um, years ago, this book I found again, uh, Rebirth of Pan, any of these, John Keel, Jacques Vallée, all these people, um, Greg Little, um, you, you see that there are different ways of looking at the, at, the, at the subject. And I think these people in the aviary probably were looking at it in this way and approaching it in this way years before we were. I have to say this, that even Jim Mosley and myself and Alan Greenfield in the 60s and 70s, we were looking at alternative explanations that were fascinating, lots of incredible possibilities. But what seems to happen in the UFO field is it goes in cycles. So in the 50s and 60s, it was E.T., we started exploring the other avenues. And then the 80s and 90s, we go back to E.T. again. It's just like going in a revolving circle and we never get anywhere because we're always starting at the beginning and barely getting to the middle so there's never an end game. Okay, let's look at the aviary. Okay, do they officially meet? Do they have coffee clutches? Yes, they met. As far as I know, they had meetings, and they would meet in, like, you know, in hotels. Apparently, they met in San Diego at the, at the El Cortez Hotel or something like that one year. They would get together and, and exchange information. What have you found out recently? Because there's some things they don't want to, you know, send through the mail or talk on the phone. There was no email then. Um, so we'd get together and say, what have you found out? What's going on? And then also there – the uh, some of them were involved in this counterintelligence project, so they, they would discuss that as well. Um, the counterintelligence project was run by this guy named Falcon uh, at the time, and he was uh, using Bill Moore, uh, Jamie Chandray to some extent um, as liaisons to the UFO community to find out, one, what they knew and what they were concerned about. What people don't understand is that this guy Falcon was an old CIA guy. He didn't care about UFOs. I don't think that was really an interest of his. Um, what was interesting to him was to to find out what UFO researchers knew, and more importantly, who was talking to the UFO researchers, because it's uh, it's been proven more than once that um, UFO researchers know a little bit about what's going on with military projects, but may not know that that's what they're doing. They'll spot a, spot a weird lighter object in the sky somewhere, especially near a military installation, and say, hey, look, a UFO, or the U.S. government's testing UFOs. Well, what do you think in the 1980s, what the, what the Russians would want to know? It's like, oh, yeah, we've, you know, they're testing so-and-so that's shaped like this. Oh, yeah, we've heard about that. So that confirms to us they've got this sort of aircraft or, or weapon or whatever it is. That's what they were concerned about with the UFO community. But, you know, what I haven't emphasized in the past, which I didn't think was important, was that um, I think that there was still some sort of uh, ancillary – what's the word? Ancillary uh, uh, benefit to dealing with UFO researchers uh, in that they could find out how much they knew about the UFO subject, what they thought about it, and how close they were to, one, military projects, and two, perhaps even really what the UFO subject was or what, what UFOs were. Maybe the UFO researchers knew more than the government, and maybe they could get some of that information back. And then on top of that was um, uh, projects to, to um, basically send out disinformation and see who gobbled it up. Uh, one of the ways they did was this was handing um, 
uh, UFO disinfo, one to Bill Moore, who took it, you know, and tried to examine it and see what was going on with it. We'll get into the disinformation and more after Bill Moore. Coming up with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So what information did they give to Bill Moore? What did he know about the subject? When did he know it? And all that stuff. So... What you're talking about here is he receives from his handlers in the aviary information to then deliver to people in the UFO field. Yes. Specifically, actually, one person, two people, actually. And uh, once again, Grant Cameron reminded me of this by reading some of his posts at his site at Presidential UFO. Um, Lee Graham, who worked for Aerojet, was uh, eagerly taking information from Bill Moore uh, thinking that Bill Moore was getting this information straight from the government, which he was, but then also not realizing that it was was also, there was a lot of disinformation in there with it. One, I I think the main reason was to find out who was interested. What if if he hands this information out and then they see this information in Soviet communiques, they know that um, they've got got somebody that's interested in what's going on at Aerojet. Um, the stuff they handed to Bill Moore, i.e. the MJ-12 papers, the Aquarius document, many, many, many other documents. Um, Bill Moore took all this uh, and tried to figure out if there was any truth to them or not. Most people say, well, Bill Moore just you know, put them out and said, and knew it was disinformation and, and um, knowingly spread this to the UFO community and, and just wanted to mess with them or didn't care. No, what I think was happening was that he got the disinformation or part part disinformation and tried to figure out what was real and what wasn't and explain why he thought so. There's a book called the, the MJ-12 Documents, if you can find it, where he actually goes through all these documents and says, how much truth is there in here? And surprisingly, he finds probably a little less than half is usable truth. And at this point, um, he thinks that most of it wasn't. Well, that's an interesting point of view here. The MJ-12 Documents are very, very controversial. You talk to Stanton Friedman, he says they're real, at least the original ones. There are other documents that may be partly or completely fake. You then go to someone like Kevin Randall, he says, ah, no, it's a big fake. So looking back at the beginning, since we broached on that horrible subject of MJ-12, was there really an MJ-12? What do you think? I think there was an MJ-12, very definitely. And at one point, I, and you know, people are saying, oh, well, then he thinks there's a UFO group and the government's like, no, 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 no. That hasn't, that's, that's not what I'm saying. At some point early on when I was talking to Bill Moore before I, uh, writing Project Beta, or maybe during it, I said, uh, you know, there's never been any proof that MJ-12 existed as a UFO group. At least we know that now in, in, uh, in hindsight. So what do you think it was? And, I, and I, my idea was it was something that was very heavily buried within the you know, history of the US, U.S. government, had that designator as MJ-12, but really had nothing to do with, with UFOs. Because if you hang the MJ-12 documents on that MJ-12 designator, you're not going to really find anything. It's so obscure and so secret that you can put any 
you know, spin you want on it. Nobody's ever really going to find out what it is. And what some people have said, and I think John Alexander came out with this at some point, said that it had something to do with succession of presidential power in, in times of national emergency. That's what MJ-12 was. But that was used as, as something to send you know, UFO researchers and, and foreign, foreign spies and all that off on a complete tangent um, for a long time. And I don't think it was to cover up the UFO reality. I just, Explain this to me, please. Okay, because okay, it has to be pretty strange. MJ-12 was not about Roswell or anything else. It was about presidential succession, like in case of an assassination, what? Yes, exactly. In case of assassination or atomic attack or something like that. But somebody at some point in the early 80s, somewhere in the government, in the intelligence community, figured that if they wanted to hang a bunch of fake information on something that would never really bear any fruit except for what they gave, why not use MJ-12? Because you know that Cutler-Twining memo, if people know about, refers to a meeting of MJ-12. Um, but it doesn't say what it is. All it says is there's there's a meeting and that uh, some you know a Robert Cutler uh, can't attend because he's going to be somewhere else or something like that. So that that established that there really was an MJ12. But the only you know the only documents that ever said it had anything to do with UFOs was that original Eisenhower briefing document, at least at the time. And that may have been a fake. I'm pretty sure it was a fake. Um, Does Bill Moore think it's a fake? Yes, he does. At this, okay. he, he thought that in the around 2000 when I was talking to him about it, 2000, 2001, he was pretty sure that it was mostly fake. And people can say that's very convenient because, you know, he'd already fooled everybody. And so, no, I think he, he, I think one, he really wanted to believe it was real. Two, it seemed to make sense to him at the time. And, but the, but the thing is, that, uh, as uh, during, you know, through the passage of the years and after he find, found out more about how things didn't add up, with the benefit of hindsight, he started to think that maybe it was mostly disinformation. And he knew this going into the deal. Falcon told him, I will give you a bunch of UFO information in exchange for your cooperation, but not all of it's going to be accurate or real. And it's your job, if you want to play this game, to figure out what's, what's real and what isn't. Oh, this gets complicated by well, every you, step you of the way. On the other hand, I wonder then, with all this possible evidence, and I can't think that Stanton Friedman doesn't talk to Bill Moore or hasn't, why Stanton Friedman maintains to this very day that the original MJ-12 documents were exactly as they were presented. I think, be, you know, I don't know Stan personally, really. And I think it's because his original research, he, he, he believes that the, the documents held up. And he hasn't really, in the face of disconfirming evidence and, uh, you know, other people doing a little bit further research, and casting doubt on it, I don't think he's changed his opinion because he's, I think, because he's so convinced himself so much by his own research that he's gotten tunnel vision about it. I, I do not know. I mean, I think almost everybody except Stanton Friedman thinks they're, they were fake at this point. Okay. So all this stuff being given to Bill Moore, and this is where Paul Benowitz gets involved. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, they um, were worried about Paul Benowitz, and Paul Benowitz had actually written to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, uh, about some of his concerns about what he was seeing around his home in Albuquerque. And they knew that Bill Moore was uh, one of the board members of APRO and basically sent out feelers to him to see if he was interested uh, in the form of the Weitzel letter, which we can talk about if you want. Sure, go ahead. Uh, it was a letter sent to various UFO organizations to, um, to get people interested in... Um, 
basically as bait to see if there was anybody in the UFO community interested. And the, the, the letter apparently was written by Richard Doty based on an actual incident that had happened where somebody on maneuvers, and I think it was in New Mexico or maybe it was the southeast somewhere, uh, somebody on maneuvers with the Air Force had seen a, a strange craft either um, flying by or landed or both, um, reported it to his superiors, and um, there was a report filed. What Doty did was he took that report, changed it to make it sound a little bit more interesting and exciting, and then had that sent out to you know MUFON, APRO, um, Center for UFO Studies, various other groups, to see who would respond to it. What Bill Moore did was he... He went to the Air Force, found the guy, actually, the guy in the, mentioned in the letter, Weitzel, Craig Weitzel, and asked him if he had sent, you know, asked him about his experience. What Weitzel said was, I didn't send that letter, and besides, that's not what happened. <laughs> oh, boy, this is getting crazier and crazier. Yeah. We'll figure out what might have really happened here and how this caused a lot of consternation in different places. We have Greg Bishop joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Bearcast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you owe the IRS, you can't make the problem go away without professional help. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax debt problems for 30 years, and I can help you too. We can stabilize IRS collection action and get your tax debt reduced, sometimes completely eliminated. And if you received a 1099 from a bank because of mortgage or other debt forgiveness, the vast majority of the time, I can show you how to completely erase it so you pay no taxes on what the IRS will consider to be taxable income. Call us for a free consultation to discuss the many possibilities. Call 1-800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-N-O-T-A-X. Or go to my website at TaxHelpOnline.com. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you. Call us today, 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The man who predicted the fall of communism is now predicting the fall of capitalism. He's dined with the Rockefellers, hung out with the Clintons, banged heads with the Beltway, and inspired companies, movements, and empires that have brought forth revolutionary change. He sat shoulder to shoulder with figures like George Bush Sr., Steve Forbes, Margaret Thatcher, and Boris Yeltsin, to name but a few. And his volume of work set out his groundbreaking financial newsletter, Strategic Investment, was so far ahead of its time, it helped transform not just the fates and fortunes of thousands of investors, but also the fates and fortunes of entire nations for the first time in 17 years he's back once again with his first controversial video presentation go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch him reveal a landmark development which he believes will set off the most violent economic reversal in history one that carries the power to bring down the entire capitalist system go to fallofcapitalism.com to watch his controversial video before the powers that be wipe it from the internet again it's www.fallofcapitalism.com Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have Greg Bishop, who has written several fascinating books about UFOs and is studying the antics of the aviary involving UFO researcher Bill Moore. He was one of the co-authors with Charles Berlitz of the original book on the Roswell Incident, so a pioneer UFO researcher who brought Roswell to the present day. And now we're talking about a, shall we say, massaged report of a UFO case. Yeah, maybe I better explain, sort of try to explain sh- in a short way exactly sure. what was going on here. What happened was I think somebody in the government, na- namely this Falcon character, or associated with the government, wanted to use the UFO community for counterintelligence operation. So they were trying to find out who might be receptive to such a thing. And also, more importantly, who wouldn't just take everything for granted and just spit it right back out? Because almost anybody will do that, Uh, especially UFO researchers. If somebody from the government tells them that uh, a secret, they spit it right back out because they say, well, I'm special and they're telling me something. So what they wanted to find out was somebody that would not do that would uh, do the background research and be a little bit circumspect about it. So they sent this fake letter out to see what the reaction was. And Bill Moore's reaction was to call up the Air Force, find this guy that had supposedly sent this letter and question him about it. And he found out the guy, you know, had had the experience, but he never sent that letter. And the things that were in the letter were, you know, uh, greatly embellished. So he went to the you know the, the head of uh, APRO uh, heads of APRO Jim and Coral Lawrence and said, "Well, this letter's fake. I don't know why they sent it, and that's the end of it." But he was apparently, according to Bill, he was the only one that actually bothered to check into it. So he was on the government's radar at that point, and very soon after that, they approached him and said, "Would you be interested in helping us if we?" in exchange, give you some UFO information from the government. And like I said, they did warn him that it would not all be real and he would have to figure it out. And he decided to play that game. And that's that's uh, where all this other stuff, uh, and that's history as we know it. Dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. 
Well, I guess so. I mean, it's uh, you ask a lot of people, and in hindsight, they go, I never would have done something like that. I think a lot of people, if they were offered that, it's like, we're going to give you government secrets that nobody else has ever seen. They might not all be true, but, you know, you're going to have access to them and nobody else will. And you can, you know, do what you want with them. In exchange, all you have to do is tell us what UFO people are thinking and what they're talking about. Because there was no Internet or anything then, and Bill was a very respected UFO researcher and knew lots of people. So it was a good way for them to find out what UFO people knew, what they were talking about, and ha- if it had any bearing on uh, defense projects. Yeah, especially if you're getting paid. Uh, he was not paid as far as I know. I, I don't oh, know. Man. No, uh, no Samsonites with lots of hundred, uh, you know, old sort of wrinkly hundred dollar yeah. bills. Dang. People, people watch too many damn movies and read too many stupid spy novels. <laughs> It was, it hey, was just, it, I know the feeling, Greg. I've been an unpaid asset for the intelligence community for years, man. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, whether, whether I want to be or not, and I don't, but hey, facts are facts. Yeah. My database is available for everybody. So yeah. you think you're helping intelligence seriously, Chris? I have been for 20 years. Are you kidding? Okay. Just the nature of your work. Has the intelligence community ever called you up and said, Chris, we got a question or two? I got a, a visit by a, a man in beige. The other type of MIB that doesn't get talked about much, but uh, is that the invisibility guy? No, the, no, actually, that wasn't. Uh, it was somebody else from the Institute of Social Architecture. I, I just love that K Street, you know, uh, you know, think tank or whatever the heck it was. A uh, lobbyist or something like that. Well, he tried lobbying me, and I. <laughs> And I said, hey, you didn't walk in the door with a big Samsonite filled with, with a bunch of old $100 bills. I, you're not offering me a, you know, a major record deal for my band or a major publishing deal for my next book. So why are you asking me whether I want to or whether I should question my motivations to get into things that, quote, most people don't have a need to know, unquote. And I said, hey, if you'd walked in with, uh, you know, with something, you know, maybe I'd have too much fun and have other things to do besides digging into areas that you guys are a little uh, nervous about. <sighs> okay, so they wanted free work out of you is basically what it is, which is what you're already giving them by publishing your books and doing your. Doing yeah, yeah. Your- I mean, my data is open for everybody. If the CIA is interested, if uh, you know some, you know, other foreign intelligence. UFO group is interested or whether it's just, you know, your average buff or, or a group. Hey, great. It's there for you. I, I work my tail off getting it. It's open and available to anybody. Now, my concern over the, what was done here, and by the way, listeners, we're going to have more of your questions in a little while. My concern in terms of Paul Benowitz is the fact that they made him practically go crazy because of the things they pulled. Was that because of what Bill Moore did or did Doty and all the rest get involved? Um, that's another, I think, people place emphasis in areas where that makes them feel worse or better or whatever. The story with, with Paul Benowitz and uh, the fact that he did basically end up in a mental institution, his family put him there uh, for, his, for his health, was that he first, uh, when, he, when he contacted the Air Force and said, I think there's something weird going on here that you ought to know about, he was already... Well, well on the way to being out of control of his, you know, his faculties, because and, and, and this was pointed out to me by um, and I, I, you know, I'd reported this in Project Beta, but I never really thought about it. In 1979 or 80, I believe, when 
when Benowitz was was seeing these things or first started seeing these things over the over the Air Force Base, which were probably some sort of secret project. Right. Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. He was yeah. seeing objects over the Manzano Mountains in the Coyote Canyon area. Yeah. Uh, strangely moving lighted objects, which were obviously being tested there. Um, but he, he thought they were UFOs from other planets and that there was some sort of invasion. The thing was, in 1979 or early 80, um, uh, this woman named Myrna Hansen had, uh, had some sort of an abduction, abduction experience, and she was brought to the attention of Paul Benowitz, actually by Gabe Valdez, of all people, if people know who he is. Um, he, she was brought to Paul Benowitz's house, and he's, he called Leo Sprinkle, who people may know, uh, know about, one of very early abduction researchers. Yeah, Sprinkle, one of the first. Yeah, was flown to Albuquerque by Paul Benowitz to do some regression hypnosis with this woman to find out what had happened to her. And he said that, you know, they did one session uh, over like a day or so, and he flew back to uh, uh, Wyoming. And then he, uh, Benowitz asked him to come out a second time, I think about a month later. By the way, parenthetically, if you check our episode for January 18th, 2009, we featured Dr. Sprinkle. Go ahead. So when he came back out that second time, not a month later, and before Benowitz had contacted the Air Force, Sprinkle told me, and he would tell you if you asked him, that Benowitz came to the door with a, a shotgun and a pistol and a holster and said, get in here, the aliens are coming and we don't want them to get to us. This was before he even contacted the Air Force. So, so the suggestion I get here is that he was cracking up and would have cracked up if it wasn't for the influence of these people. Yeah, well, he still would have cracked up. Yeah, he still would have. I'm not saying that the Air Force and the other intelligence agencies are not complicit in it because they were. They basically encouraged him because it kept him away from uh, uh, secret projects and also – uh, I guess uh, people that might have been watching him that were not friendly to the United States, but yeah, basically they sat by and watched it happen and didn't really care if he he went you know if he went further around the bend and that's wrong and it's it's reprehensible and it should be, but the the but the idea that the Air Force and the intelligence community drove Paul Benowitz crazy from being a completely normal you know uh, well balanced person to being um, dangerous you know dangerous to himself. Is 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 not the right idea. I, I, uh, well, Greg, there, there are rumors that uh, Doty and those those guys would uh, go in and rearrange his furniture and stuff. I yeah, mean, Don Don Ecker asked me about that, and I said I told Don, as far as I remember, and I this may be in the book. I, I can't remember because there's so much in there. Um, Benowitz at first knew this was happening and it kind of freaked him out and then later realized or was told or something that the government was doing this and it was because he thought he was cooperating with the government completely and was involved in some sort of secret program with them. And I'll tell you what, we'll get into what all this means. We'll get into what this means, but we got to do the break. With Greg Bishop, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8-inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at DisasterStuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze-dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. <coughs> are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 
30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. With Gene and Chris, we're talking to Greg Bishop. Project Beta was the book that you talked about a lot of this stuff. When did that come out, by the way? 2005. Okay. So today, would you do a new edition with more information as a result of what we've got to present? I believe that, and, and I, I believe that, uh, that Gabe Valdez told me this, which who no, nobody by any stretch of the imagination would think was a U.S. government person. Um, he told me that Benowitz at, at some point knew that the government was doing this, rearranging right. his furniture and all that, and that he kind of accepted it as part of his quote-unquote spy work. So, so he didn't think of that being unusual? No, not after a while. I mean, there were so many other weird things going on with him that I think that was a very minor thing. The fact that he was sending out signals and getting things back, he said, that, was from, that were from the aliens. And other people have seen this, too. They, they saw the messages coming in, the answers he was getting. How was um, he sending these messages? He had a radio setup that he had built. What people, people not, may not realize, he's a, he was an electronics whiz. He had an right. electronics company that still exists. So he built his own radio you know, listening and, and sending device or got something pre-made and adapted it to his own uh, uh, uses and thought and said he was communicating with some alien race that was giving him some sort of information. And, and there, there was intelligent communication between him and whatever this was. What I think it was was just somebody from the NSA or something, and I was told this, sitting across the street with a, with a transmitter and just telling him what he wanted to hear. They were having fun at his expense. Now, I have a question here, too, which I just is implicit in a lot of what you said, and that is things that Benowitz saw may have been government secret weapons. Is a lot of this all about protecting government inventions? A lot of what? A lot of all this craziness going on. Uh, That we're talking about on the show? Yeah, I think a lot of it is. Uh, people make the mistake that that uh, I think and people that you know think along the same lines are saying that UFOs are all caused by the government. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we've got to eliminate these things that the that are uh, secret projects uh, as not part of the core you know uh, phenomena of UFOs. And the more that people know one what that is, and two the disinformation involved around it, the more maybe they can filter out the junk. I hope. Okay, so the Benowitz story is he was institutionalized. After about six or seven years of this back and forth with the government and him having, you know, ideas about underground bases and all this, encouraged by the government, actually, um, his family realized that he was, you know, his health was in danger. So they actually had him put in a mental health facility for about a month, month and a half, something like that. After he came out, he, he was you know, kind of still doing it, but he, it was uh, much diminished from what it was. And at that point, I think that uh, the intelligence community was not really that interested in what he was doing anymore, and that, that thing had run its course. So they basically left him alone, as far as I know. Okay, what other activities, what other, what other craziness did these intelligence people do with Bill Moore as the focal point? 
Well, the, the, the one thing that Bill did admit to and told me about and I think announced in his speech in Vegas in 1989 was that he was told to hand Paul Benowitz a document. Um, what, the, what was on the document, which is later referred to as the Aquarius document, was uh, reports of UFO activity around Kirtland Air Force Base, actually including some stuff that Benowitz had, had supposedly reported to them. Um, what it was was an actual teletype uh, sent to the AFOSI and then changed slightly to, to uh, flatter Benowitz's prejudices. Um, Bill handed this to uh, Paul, and he said that he told him to take it with a grain of salt, and he said that Paul actually never – he did. He actually locked it away and never mentioned it to anybody. Now, you, and you, you can't find any reference to this document in any of Benowitz's writings or his letters or anything like that, although it probably certainly influenced his thinking. Boy, craziness. It, now, it's just so murky. It is. And, and the flight up with Grant Edwards uh, uh, up to Dulce, uh, the helicopter flight, and the the secret camera film, special film that was uh, delivered to the helicopter in a lead box. Ron Regeer had, uh, I think, copies right off the original negatives of the craft, uh, uh, you know, the unidentified craft that actually approached the helicopter on their trip up there. I mean, this... The whole Benowitz case and, and your book, uh, Project Beta, is, is I think is really – it opens up this wonderful window of uh, opportunity to look inside the, the world of counterintelligence with the uh, military <laughs> and uh, the government. Let's, let's talk about Falcon though, Greg. Um, you came out uh, recently and uh, announced for the first time the name of Falcon uh, based on your investigative work. Uh, let's talk about this uh, shadowy character. I will de-emphasize my investigative work on this at, at the outset here, and I will explain why. Um, what happened, and this is what I talked about in this, in this talk I gave online for the Alternative Universe Con I conference. What I talked about was how I found this out. When I was working on Project Beta, I found out who you know most of these aviary people were. Um, Bill Moore confirmed some of those some of those names that we had mentioned earlier, like Putoff, Kit Green, uh, Ron Pandolfi, uh, C.B. Scott Jones. He confirmed that those people were people that he was working with, but he would not reveal to me who the who the head of the counterintelligence operation was, Falcon. But uh, you know, not for publication in the book. For whatever reason, I don't know. Um, people may have certain ideas about that. I don't know. Anyway, he said that he would – he did the classic intelligence thing with me. He gave me hints and then said if I guessed that he would tell me I was right. And we can talk about why he did that uh, uh, here too. So what I did – what he told me was that the, the guy used to be in the OSS – the precursor of the CIA, Office of Strategic Services, World War II, and that he had uh, been an expert on Russian intelligence, which makes sense in light of the fact that they were doing a Russian intelligence, counterintelligence operation. And he, I think that's all he told me. He also might have told me the guy was um, Eastern European or had Eastern European ancestry. Okay, so I started off with that. So, I, you know, I started throwing names out at him, um, you know, almost willy nilly. I, you know, I started with people like, uh, uh, now I'm trying to think of the names that I came up with. I, uh, uh, Richard Helms, William Colby, 
Cord Meyer, uh, uh, even um, uh, Miles Copeland, people like that, people who had a, you know, documented history with the CIA and were concerned with Soviet matters, which the CIA was mostly concerned with in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. Um, I threw all these names at him. He kept saying, no, 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 no. Didn't really give me any more hints. So I was going to libraries. I was, you know, looking in old magazines. I was, you know, everywhere. And, and at this point, I could use the Internet. I found a website called namebase.org, which still exists. Uh, and they had a feature, which and what it is is um, basically a clearinghouse of spy information that's available through open sources, you know, books on the CIA, books on the uh, NSA, etc., anything to do with the United States intelligence. And they took all that information in these open sources and put it online, like who knew who, um, wh when things happened, what projects were going on. And they used to have a thing called proximity search, where you could type in somebody's name. Like I would, like for instance, I would type in what? Frank Wisner, who used to be uh, in the CIA and ran a lot of their um, propaganda stuff. And you put that name in, and a, a, a diagram would come up showing you that person's name in the middle and this huge web of names around it with lots of lines connecting them. Like a corporate flowchart. Well, sort of, but it was basically okay. like a big, messy spider web. Ew. Um, now, like, we have about a minute left with this segment, and then we'll continue, but go on. Okay. It was this big, messy spider web, and all these names would pop up. And, you know, it, the names I was talking about popped up. So I gave him a few more names, and he finally, he finally I think he was tired after 10 months of me saying, is this guy, is it this guy, is it this guy? And he finally, when nobody was around, when we were out in the middle of nowhere on a hike, he told me the guy's name. And as it turned out, that name was on that list I had. I just hadn't brought it up yet. So when I said, I, you know, that Bill told me I had guessed it, that, you know, I didn't guess it, but it was in the list of names I had of guesses of people that it could have been. And um, he confirmed it to me at that time, and I've been trying to confirm it ever since, and I gotten as far as I could gotten, so I finally just announced it. Exciting. We'll have to learn more about <laughs> this figure and what he meant and why we should care and all about that stuff. It's almost like you think the revelation of Deep Throat. He was Mark Feld, a former assistant director of the FBI, and we learned that when the guy was hardly in a position to even be aware of anything anymore really late in his life. We have someone who is not late in his life, really young guy named Greg Bishop, we're exploring the aviary, and we are unmasking the Falcon, who he was. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The summer specials are on at HHA, Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big at HerbalHealer.com. And you customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Liquid CalMag Vitamin D and Organic Iodine, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Super 2, Natural Laxative, our exceptional product Tonixin, Memory Power, and Super Male and Femplex, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. Also get 10% off on the Herbal Healer Academy Survival Course, information that might save your life. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. One of Chris's quieter of the Paracasts, Greg Bishop, joining us. Written several books, including Project Beta, Exploring Government Disinformation. So tell us more, Greg Bishop, about the Falcon. Well, where we left off was that I, I was trying to guess this, the identity of this strange guy called the Falcon who ran the counterintelligence operation uh, against the Russians. Uh, after 10 months of guessing, Bill Moore finally just told me the guy's name. And who he told me was this guy named Harry Rositzky, R-O-S-I-T-Z-K-E. And as it turned out, this guy's name was on this list I had of, of people, of you know, former intelligence people. And he knew everybody. He was head of counterintelligence at the CIA for quite a while. He had worked in India, Pakistan, the Indian subcontinent area, uh, monitoring the Russians. He had actually worked after World War II with uh, Reinhard Galen, who was the head of the Nazi intelligence operation. Right, he's the one to help coordinate Paperclip. He, ha- he partially helped coordinate Paperclip. Yeah, that was basically for scientists. This was... Uh, if this was part of paperclip, it was for the intelligence people because the Russians were trying to get as many people as they could. The United States were trying to get as many people as they could. The United States somehow gave Reinhard Galen, uh, told him what he wanted to hear, I guess, and and uh, got all his information on Soviet intelligence, what the Soviets were doing, etc. And uh, this guy Rositsky had worked with Galen after the war in, in Germany on uh, gathering Soviet intelligence. Uh, and had run counterintelligence and had, like, you know, airdropped uh, spies into the Soviet Union, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, very uh, – it, it sounds like a spy novel, a lot of the stuff he did. By the 1980s, he retired, I believe, from the CIA in, I think, 1971, I believe, something or sometime around there. Maybe it was the early 60s. Anyway, he was there for, you know, well over 20 years. And the story was, at least as I was told, he was brought out of retirement – uh, because of his expertise with uh, Soviet uh, intelligence and what he knew about them and their methods, 
to run this, you know, off the books, unofficial operation, which apparently was headed by Richard Helms, who was also obviously retired, but used to be the head of the CIA in, um, when was it, Chris, the early 60s? Mid- oh, it was during the Nixon administration, so it was late 60s. Yeah, early. exactly. So they had worked together before. So what Okay, they- by the way, just for everyone's reference, Richard Helms, who died in 2002, was the director of CIA from 1966 through 1973. Right. Oh, that's the other thing I forgot to say about the, uh, Bill's hints to me. He said that he had died already, like around after 2000. So that was another thing that narrowed it down. And Richard Helms is actually one of the names I had come up with. And it's funny because Bill kind of smiled. I think he smiled and said, warm, but not, not, not quite it. So what happened was, as it was explained to me, was that these um, former intelligence people got together to do what they had been doing all their lives so very well, which was, you know, working against Soviet intelligence. And they would take this information, however they got it, through, you know, through people like Bill Moore or whoever they were involved in the operation, and pass it up the chain to Richard Helms, and Helms would pass it through back channels to the CIA, the actual working, employed, at that time, CIA people, as just another source of information. Because, you know, who would not want to do what you've been doing all your life and doing very well at and doing, you know, and having fun at, if asked to do so? It's, I don't think yeah, it was... Yeah, he's a team player. And yeah. it's also, you know, you're retired after all that activity in your life, and this is a way to keep going and to be relevant. Yeah, so that, that's what they were doing. It's, uh, you know, the next question from a lot of people is why should we trust Bill Moore and why should we trust what he was saying? Well, the, the point to me was unless he was involved in some huge story about, the, about, the, about Soviet inte- counterintelligence and all that, everything he, other researchers – um, people inside and outside the government told me all made sense in light of what he told me that, about Rosicki. It, it just seems to make sense to me, which is why, you know, that when I did my speech at the end of the talk, I said, look, I don't know if I'm right. I would like it if somebody could, with more time or more importantly, more um, access or what in the intelligence community is called tickets than I have, to do some research on this and see if they can confirm it or, or deny it. Um, I, I'm not saying that Harry Rosicki was Falcon. I'm just saying that's the best guess I have right now. And I know it wasn't Richard Doty because Richard Doty uh, was not in a position to do what Falcon did. He was a player in the, in, in the operation, not, not the person, not the ringleader. And if you know Doty, he's not, he's not a ringleader type. He's, a, he's very good at what he does, which was you know, counterintelligence. But he's not, you know, he does, he, he's not the person that would lead something like this. He's, he's, he, he, um, he's a soldier, not a, a whatever. He's a soldier, not a general or whatever. Okay, <laughs> we get that. We get that. All right. Now, anything else we can get about the life of this guy, Rosicki? Well, he's, you can look at I, – I looked it up online and went and got – actually ordered one of his books on, online. It was called The CIA Secret Operations. That was released in 1977. And another one called um, KGB, The Secret Eyes of Russia, I believe, something like that. Published in 1981, right in the middle of all this um, aviary business. But he was – like I said, he was a Soviet counterintelligence expert. He, he, had gone, he was born in New York in um, – Oh, God, how old was he? I can't remember. He was born in the teens, I think, in New York. And his parents were from Eastern Europe, Polish, I believe, Rositsky. Um, he had gone to Harvard and gotten an advanced degree in actually in German uh, language. 
his his dissertation was on uh, high German uh, like old high German um, uh, what's the word? It was on old high German and, and the structure. The kind of, of person I guess you'd want to be involved in intelligence in World War Two. Yeah, ideal. It, it, exactly. He was he, his personality fit the spy thing perfectly. You know, he he was very methodical about what he did. He was very discreet about how he went about his business. He had a respect for the Soviet intelligence community and what the way they went about what they, they did, what they did. He didn't consider them evil, bumbling, or stupid. He just considered them an adversary that he had to outwit. You know, that kind of dispassionate attitude about uh, your your uh, adversary is is really helpful uh, in in that kind of work. I think to the to the point at uh, which he was actually reported to the FBI as being a communist sympathizer because he had said something nice about the about the Soviet Union, I believe. And this was revealed in a document that uh, this guy, Brian Parks, I've mentioned before, found through FOIA, um, it, which describes, 19, I think in 1963, some woman had said that uh, had, had reported Rosicki and the FBI went out to investigate him. And their report was, in light of the, uh, the employment of this man, we are closing this investigation right now. Basically, they found out he was a CIA guy that was working with the, on the Soviet thing. And they said, he's not a Soviet spy. He's, he's working against the Soviets. He's one of us. He's not one of them. Hey, you know, this is a fascinating development, and what do we take away from this, that this aviary organization was really, really a heavy-duty, serious thing because of this guy's involvement? I don't know if it was – I don't think it was a heavy-duty, serious thing. As far as the UFO community is concerned, yes, it's a heavy-duty, serious thing. As far as history and most people are concerned, it's not really that important. Uh, the more important part of it in the larger picture is, you know, how the UFO community was – used as a tool in a counterintelligence operation and all the repercussions that had throughout the years and decades afterwards, and we're still living with a lot of the implications from it. And um, I think what the, the, what the UFO community fails to um, do is just say, look, every, the, it was a weird time. We were, we were screwed with, um, and it was bad, and we should learn from this and move on. But what, what a lot of people want to do is complain and whine about it and get self-righteously indignant. And I think that's wrong. I, th- I think the dispassionate uh, route is probably a little bit better. And then another thing, I, I, I was talking to my friend Richard Saraday on my show the other day, and we came up with the idea that basically what happened to Paul Benowitz has, has happened to the entire UFO community over the last, like, 20-something years. You know, um, We've all been certain, messed with in one way or another. Yeah, they have a certain idea about something, not, not all of the UFO community, but some people. They have a certain idea about something, they stick to it no matter what, Con- disconfirming evidence comes and they're not open mind a lot of people aren't open minded about other possibilities or the possibility that they have been fooled and to drop that and move on stuck in a rut as it goes yeah. we, have, we have Greg Bishop and we're exposing I guess to some degree the aviary we've got questions from our listeners quite a few we'll try to get to some of them in our next segment with Gene and Chris you're in the Paracast <laughs> We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have 
a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. 
Listeners, if you visit our forums at forum.theparacast.com, you no doubt have seen something called the Question Bank. And about a week before we had this recording session with Greg Bishop, we asked you listeners to post questions. And we're going to change that and maybe use audio questions in future episodes. But right now we have the written questions, quite a few of them. We're not going to cover all the ground. It's not possible. But Chris, could you dig up a few questions that haven't been answered yet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one that, that kind of needs to be asked right now, Greg, because we're on the subject of Project Beta and the Benowitz case. But this comes from Sentry, who's been posting at the forum for about a year. Greg, have you read Grant Cameron's article, and do you agree with his conclusion as question one? And then question two is about Chris Lambright's book, uh, X Descending, which half of the book addresses uh, aspects of the Benowitz case and has exquisite color photographs that Benowitz uh, was able to take of objects descending and landing, apparently, or hovering close to the ground uh, in the Coyote Canyon area. I don't know if they're exquisite color pictures. They seem kind of blurry to me, but they are his pictures, and they do show something kind of strange. I will, I will deal with that one first. I have not finished reading X Descending, I don't know if I agree with opinions yet because I haven't finished the book. So far, I, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good book, and I'm, I'm very interested. I wish he had the photographs that he's, he does reproductions of from Ray Stanford. I don't know why he doesn't have the actual stills of the film and the photographs in there. That's We're at the Stanford. Stanford won't release them. No. Yeah, well, it, it makes it very hard to figure out what he, you know, to, to uh, discern exactly what's going on. If he just says, you know, I trust him or his artists, you know, representation of what was in those photographs and it's quite intriguing but i'd like to see the actual photos or film stills like i said i don't have any disagreement with lambright yet i haven't finished his book i have read most of grant cameron's article and i think it's i I, there's no reason for me to disagree with very much in it i think what he's been doing is basically following this case for years and what i say about grant was he's forgotten more about the the you know the aviary and about this interaction of between the government yeah, and yeah then the rest of us know put together yeah exactly <laughs> now folks the site is presidentialufo.com i think grant cameron who's been on the paracast the article is about 25 pages if you decide to print it out yeah but it's, it's, it's really huge. fascinating it. it's fascinating and he mentions a lot of stuff that i didn't even remember and apart from the fact that I like have slight disagreements with him, and there's a couple factual errors in it, as far as I'm concerned, I pretty much agree with it. I, I, I almost hate to admit it because it's 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 a really good article, and everybody should read it. You know, the reason I hate to admit it is because I didn't write it. <laughs> um, but it's 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 damn good, and anybody reading this should you know read that. And also, you know, if you're interested in, in the. Uh, Chris Lambright's take on what was going on at Kirtland. Yeah, very definitely get that book. I just got a, you know, like a Kindle download of it. Very easy to get, and I'm reading that. But, yeah, the, the, I don't have anything really negative to say about either of those two things, apart from what I said about uh, Chris's book and the reproductions, photo reproductions in it. I'll just remind our listeners to check our archives for the shows we did with Grant Cameron and with Chris Lambright. Now, Mr. O'Brien got some more questions for Greg. I do, and this comes from a longtime poster, Blowfish, who's very active at uh, forum.theparacast.com, and he says, hello, Gene, Chris, and Greg. Number one, Greg Bishop, you have mentioned in your own excellent radio show, Radio Mysterioso, that your father served in the U.S. military forces during the Korean War. Did he ever have any strange awareness events, quote-unquote, while on active service or after back in the States? 
And also, did you ever experience any strange awareness during your childhood? Uh, I haven't, not that I know of. Uh, my father never had anything weird happen to him that I know of. First, he was like openly, like hostilely skeptical about the UFO thing, and then after talking to me and reading my stuff, I think he mellowed out and just is kind of, you know, interestedly skeptical. Um, Consider yourself well, lucky. My father never took it seriously. Oh well, I think he's. I think partially he's doing it just to humor me. The one thing I found out about my dad, which I thought was really weird, was a few years ago um, we were talking about what he, what, the work he used to do. He used to work for Aerojet. In the 1950s, after he got back from the Korean War, um, what he did, he's a chemical engineer, so what he was doing was testing rocket fuel. And I said, what's, the, like, what's one of the things you really remember about that job that just kind of sticks with you? I think that was my question. He said, I was doing an experiment with some sort of substance, some compound, rocket fuel we were testing once, and I was in a lab, and I had a face shield on, and you know, I was, I was uh, transferring the substance from one thing to you know, one place to another, and one drop fell off the end of a little pipette and fell on a table. And he said the explosion was so loud he lost his hearing for a few days. I said, whoa. Wow. <laughs> what was that stuff? Holy moly. And, he's, it, and it, the, for the first time ever, my dad said, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. I said, what? This is wow. the 50s. I could probably look it up on Wikipedia. He said, I wasn't, I'm not supposed to talk about it. Well, uh, Greg, since you bring up rocket fuel, I have a question from Sage Sigma who is a, uh, a very recent addition to the Paracast Forum family. I'm curious what Greg's thoughts are on the whole Crowley-Parsons angle on UFOs. Now, Jack Parsons uh, is credited with being the inventor of solid rocket fuel and started JPL back in the 40s. We have addressed, I think, in a number of shows, uh, Parsons' work with the OTO, Ordo Templi Orientis, a magical order that was headed by Aleister Crowley. And his 1946 Babylon working with L. Ron Hubbard, the guy that started Scientology, out yeah. in the Mojave Desert. Now, getting to my question here, yeah, we've had this conversation a bunch. Where do you come down on, on this Parsons-Crowley connection to UFOs? Well, it, I'm not going to give a background on it because we've got to get to other questions. But I've been interested in this for a long time, especially since somebody pointed out very early on that this this being that Alistair Crowley said that he glimpsed in a uh, in an altered state. He did a drawing of it. It looks basically like a gray alien with tiny little eyes. And then I think Rochelle Hawks at one point pointed out that the shadows above the eyes look like giant alien eyes. Actually, what I think is going on there is he was hooking into some sort of meme that was just you know he was open to it and his m mind was able to uh, receive it. And it's either a precursor or a foreshadowing or something of, 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 of something that would become very popular later after Whitley Strieber had it on the cover of Communion. I right, think yeah. 1919 was the Lamb uh, encounter. Yeah, that's and there are, there are a couple of hints around in the research that Crowley actually walked hand in hand on the beach uh, at Montauk when he had done the Alamantra working, but, but we digress. Yeah. So what about Parsons, though? Do you think Parsons was able to actually manifest a moonchild out in the Mojave Desert uh, in 1946? I don't know what he was able to do. Um, uh, what, the, the, you know, what I get from reading his um, biography, my favorite one is The uh, Sex and Rockets by John Carter. Um, my, you know, the impression I get from uh, Parsons is that he read a lot into things that none of, you know, a lot of other people would say, what, huh? 
Um, Crowley even said that. I mean, Crowley didn't really care about Parsons that much for all that Parsons brought up Crowley and said he was his, you know, hero and all that. Um, I think Crowley looked well, Crowley, up, Crowley kind of distant. Distanced. Yeah, well, he, he, yeah, he did. He's he. I think he looked on Parsons as just basically somebody that gave him money. So well, we, had, we like to look at that with our bosses in many places. Ah, he's the guy who gives us money, signs the checks. Hey, we've got Greg Bishop joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? More important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Let me ask you a question. What does freedom mean to you? The freedom to choose, the freedom to vote, the freedom to worship. How about the freedom to take control of your own future? My friends at Eat Foods Direct are celebrating freedom this month while helping you take control of your greatest dependency, food. Right now, you receive one of their new Patriot Packs free with every $289 you spend on their highly nutritious and great-tasting food. The Patriot Pack is a 30-day supply of eFood's quick-fix, easy-to-store food. For example, purchase a one-year supply and get five Patriot Packs, which is five months of food free. Use the extra food for everyday use and save hundreds off your grocery bill. Give your free Patriot Pack as a gift to a friend or relative, or simply add more food to your long-term supply for free. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack with purchase. Operators are standing by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. eFoods is so affordable, the more you store and eat, the more you save. Go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex or call 800-409-5633 right now. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
We all know there are secrets behind closed doors in every relationship, and one of the biggest is that men are losing libido or sexual desire, especially if you're a man over 40. The problem could be declining testosterone levels. Remember, it's testosterone that makes a man a man in every way. That's why we created T-Gen. T-Gen is an all-natural formula with ingredients proven to boost your own testosterone. Optimum testosterone levels mean better mood, energy, and of course, better sex life. Here's Gina from California. My husband tried one month of T-Gen, and we both noticed his desire increased right away. He felt the difference in his energy level. I certainly liked the other effects it had on him. Great product. And now for the first time, you can try T-Gen absolutely free for 30 days. Just pay shipping today and see the incredible results for yourself. Call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. T-Gen works, or you simply don't pay. For your 30-day free trial, call 800-822-5941. 800-822-5941. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have two more segments to spend with Greg Bishop, with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Greg has written such books as Project Beta. He has that radio show, Radio Mysterioso. He'll tell you later how you can hear the show because a lot of unfettered, uncensored conversation. Okay, well, Ward has a question. Uh, we just need to dip back into the Benowitz material here quickly. But he, uh, Ward brings up a question about multiple people reported seeing strange floating orbs in Benowitz's residence. And uh, something about Bill Moore reported he was overcome with a sort of hot flash when Paul said aliens were scanning them while they were both, I guess, in Paul's home. Do, does that particular event ring a bell? It doesn't. It doesn't to me. Yeah, well, I think he mentioned that on my show, and that's where Ward got that from. What Bill said was he said that uh, he said he felt like yeah he felt like suddenly he got very hot and and it felt very uncomfortable. And that was before Benowitz said, oh, well, they're scanning. The th it was either during, I can't remember. But he said that Bill got this very strange, you know, autonomic nervous response when, when Benowitz said, oh, they're scanning us right now. And, and Benowitz knew that because I, I think he just knew or he knew what the feeling was. And Bill said he was never able to explain that. And he didn't know what that was. I don't know what it was either. It might have been some sort of um, psychotronic device that was being used on Benowitz. I, I have no idea. Well, that's Ward's follow-up question. Do you think AFOSI was, or an equivalent were producing these anomalies, uh, directing them at, at the house? And, and that's a good question. I mean, what a perfect little Petri dish to, uh, to yeah. test out some emerging technologies for uh, counterintelligence. Yeah, well, um, considering all the stuff that was going on, on around Benowitz at the time, I would opt for it being, you know, some sort of device that the humans were using and not alien. If there are any alien things around or UFO things around during Benowitz's, uh, during the period we're talking about in Paul Benowitz's life, uh, I think it was minor in compared to what you know, compared to what Benowitz said they were and what most people think they were. Right. There definitely were UFOs flying over Kirtland. There were reports made about it. Um, <laughs> those were actually released, I believe, to Bill Moore. But whether that has any relationship to what Benowitz was concerned about, I think it's very little. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. In fact, you know, he may have just been the unwitting uh, victim of a of a counterintelligence operation. Uh, he just happened to stumble on it, and they said, hey, this guy is pretty on the ball. Let's have some fun. Well, I want to ask one quick question before you go on, Chris. Greg, if you asked Bill Moore today if he felt it was a good idea to get involved with this intelligence mess 
do you think he would have said yes or no? I think I did ask him that, and he did say yes. But the thing he said was, um, I would have done it differently, and I, w- I would have actually announced it differently, and I wouldn't have been so arrogant about it. That was his answer to that. Chris, let's go on with the questions. Wow. Well, uh, Angelo, our skeptical moderator at forum.theparacast.com, has an interesting question for you. Greg, I worry about you. I always hear sirens during your show. Tell us the truth. Are they, quote unquote, after you? Well, I wish somebody was after me because then it would mean that uh, what I what I talk about and I do is has some importance. But unfortunately, I think it's just uh, sirens going by outside, or that's what they want you to think. <laughs> well, I think it's a trickster. Every time I'm there, we have to sit there and like look at each other, and as the ambulance goes by, it's. Uh, I'm not sure if, if if that's comedic relief for the show or if it's an indication of something important being said. Well, I, what I think it's an indication of is that that's what I think. The studio is is situated along two major thoroughfares to yeah. crappy neighborhoods where there's a lot of like fires, robberies, and all that. So there's actually ambulances and fire engines going by on those main thoroughfares quite a bit. They're not going to go on some of the and it's right off the freeway. So you know right. that's that's the uh, normal explanation. It's well, Jean, the Jean's house, it's, it's Harley's. Oh, yeah. Well, we're located across from an auto mall. Yeah. And we get a few Harleys coming in and out. Well, Angelo has a, has a follow-up question. And he says, seriously, though, why can't people just get along when they look into the paranormal and come out with different opinions? I appreciate your attitude and how you treat people that have a different opinion than you. More people should take a page out of your book. And I agree, Greg, you are really, a, a, you are my model fence sitter in so many ways. I, uh, what do you think about that? How, how can we all like, you know, go to the Rodney King School and get along and, and like become team players and really throw this thing against the wall and see what sticks? Uh, don't become emotionally attached to your opinions. Very good advice. That's the main thing, because if you become emotionally attached to your opinion, you stop listening, um, and eventually you sound like an idiot to a lot of people, especially if a lot of people have you know, pointed out reasons why you're wrong. Um, if you keep insisting that you're right and most people can see that you're wrong, there's something, you know, there's, there's something wrong there. And then the main thing is it's bad for you. You're not learning anything. I try to keep an open mind to stuff, even stuff I think is totally whacked out. Because, you know, one, it's interesting. Two, sometimes it's really damned funny. And um, three, because I might learn something. And if I learn something, I can, you know, I can, I can grow. And, and, and learning is, you know, learning stuff is, is exciting to me. Being proved I'm wrong is not so exciting. Yeah, but it's, it's like still be, valuable. Yeah, nobody likes to be proved that they're wrong. But, you know, what happens is you, you, you know, you can move on and, you, you know, you, you discover more things, which are even more exciting, and you have to be prepared to discard those if they're, you know, if they're um, not useful anymore. Just, you know, grow and evolve, and you know, and and listen, and you know. And the other thing I try to do is, if somebody gets arrogant and and uh, uh, you know hostile with me, I basically just shut them off because I'm not going to learn anything from them because all they're doing is yelling. You see that in forums, any you know, any you know, people start typing all in caps and all that. It's like it, the third word, all in caps, I just shut off and stop reading, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'm not learning anything there. You find that people have – the people that have the 
interesting, the, 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 the life-changing or at least the opinion-changing information tend to be the quiet, thoughtful people, at least in my experience. And that's who I'm interested in. Yeah, point well taken. Also, uh, being emotionally attached is, is a problem, but being egoically attached well, I, um, I, kind of ratchets that whole thing up. And it's, they're both kind of a, different sides of the same coin, but, but that's really important. Uh, people have to be open-minded. And and admit that maybe uh, they're too far out there with their particular you know opinion or theory or whatever take on on the whole scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. What what's what's with the certainty fetish? Right. You know why why do people have to be certain about things? Yeah, moral questions. Yes. You know, don't treat other people as you'd want to be treated. I think the golden rule like stems to everything else. Don't rob. Don't cheat. Don't all that stuff. That that that's kind of immutable to me. But past that, you know, past how you treat other people, I think a lot of things are kind of up for grabs, especially the UFO and paranormal stuff. And I don't know why people. Well, it's just mammalian politics. People they have a camp and they set it up and they set up an enemy and then they defend everything because right. you know they'd rather play that game than learn. And I I think that's wrong. I mean, it's not wrong like that's bad, but it's it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it it's counterproductive. Makes you, it makes life uninteresting and it makes you uninteresting to other people. Except well, people agree with this, you. Greg, this is a perfect uh, lead-in and segue into our next question from Apocalypto, who's one of our longest uh, posters at forum.theparacast.com. And he said, Greg, you clearly have a good sense of humor about the subject of UFOs. Does that help you keep things in perspective? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you can laugh about something, you won't take it seriously. Um, you know, to the point where you get emotionally attached to it. Um, I can laugh about something and still be totally on board with it. It's fine by me. It's, it just means that eventually I'm going to, um, eventually I have to face the fact that I might want to, you know, discard that thing that I thought was really cool and that made me happy or made me laugh or whatever for something that seems to make more sense and work that into my, you know, personal view of whatever things are, which is just my view. <laughs> I don't want to force my view on anybody else. I, I want them to listen and, and perhaps, you know, consider what I have to say. And then in a non-threatening or nasty way, just say, look, here's, you know, I don't agree with you because of this. And present that evidence to me. That's how you should act with anyone. Unfortunately, right. this society is so polarized. We have Greg Bishop joining us with Gene and Chris. One more segment to come. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8x8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at disasterstuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember disasterstuff.com. Freedom through self reliance and personal responsibility. There are so many benefits you can get from taking unheated whey protein. It helps put out the fire of inflammation and the pain it is causing. Eliminate the craving for carbohydrates, better sense of well-being, weight loss, muscle strength, energy, and growth, and optimal glutathione production. Glutathione is the number one means by which you detoxify all toxins, and this is vital to you feeling and looking good again. Consuming One World Whey is the most powerful way to raise glutathione. People report the elimination of pain and bloating after one month, as well as an improvement in strength, energy, and blood sugar. Children love the flavor and prefer it over junk food. One World Way is performing mighty miracles for young and old. It is superior, unique, and unprecedented for many other whey protein powder on the market. Call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of Knockout Pain Cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with Wise Foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Greg Bishop with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Chris, 
on the last segment, how many more questions we have? I don't know if we can get to all of them. We have a few, but but Greg was was talking about you know the whole concept of being non-attached or unattached to your particular pet theory or opinion. It's almost like the perfect UFO investigator is going to come along and it's going to be a practicing Buddhist or something. Uh, you have to have this, this level of non, non-attachment or unattachment to any particular theory because it is so ephemeral. It's like trying to capture mercury. It's if like ever... assuming then that anything you believe about UFOs or expect can very likely be wrong. And if it is wrong, just get on with your life. Exactly. You can't be attached to it. Um, I have a, a question from a Tucson resident, a uh, digital trickster. He says, I live in Tucson, Greg, and I'm curious what cases or locations in Arizona, other than the Phoenix Lights incident, um, that you've looked into. Uh, tell us about Arizona. What do you think of this state in, in terms of the UFO phenomena? I think apart from New Mexico, it's, one of the, one, it's been one of the UFO hotspots for the longest time. I love Tucson. In fact, they have that great uh, Davis Month and Air Museum there, which is one of the best air air museums I've ever seen. Um, as far as cases in the uh, Arizona go, the only other thing I can think of that is famous, at least in UFO circles, is that uh, the uh, Kingman UFO crash, which has never really been proven to be anything except right. possibly some piece of military hardware that crashed. And well, then we can't we can't forget Travis either. Uh, oh, Travis. Oh, of course, of course, Travis Walton. I went to the uh, eclipse with him and his girlfriend a couple months ago. Oh, really? Albuquerque. Yeah, I got to. I and I made it a point of not mentioning UFOs to him the entire time we were hanging out. I'm sure he appreciated that. And when we got to, at the end of, you know, when it got dark and the eclipse was over, I said, can I take you guys to dinner? So we went out to dinner and he opened up to me and talked to me about stuff that I was going to ask him anyway, which was great. He was a really nice guy, very soft-spoken. And, and you know, really it. smart. The guy is really, he's not just like a cowboy out in Snowflake, Arizona. This guy is well-read, very articulate, and, and really on the ball, I think. Yeah, and I, I liked him very much personally. Very nice guy. And I'm trying to think of other uh, Arizona famous. Uh, obviously, APRO was uh, located in Tucson for for many, many years. Right. That was her base of operations. Hey, Chris, is anything coming uh, uh, about with the APRO's files in the, in the, uh, the warehouse there in Tucson or Phoenix, I guess? Well, uh, Brian and, uh, and his... Erstwhile girlfriend, wife. I, I every few months, I you know leave a message. Occasionally, I get really frustrated and leave like five or six messages in one day. <laughs> I they've moved. I can't find where they're located, but I'm telling you, they're the ones that have the key to the warehouse for all the file cabinets for the APRO files. So this is in and, a warehouse or a storage house or a storage shed or something, right? Well, it's it's not that big. It's just you know it's a you're standard, you know, run-of-the-mill uh, storage unit. This is physically paper files because yeah, we're talking about an organization 15, I think 15 that existed in the 50s, 60s, and 70s and like that. You know, for all, the, all the whining I say about UFO organizations and how they should be done away with um, because they haven't done anything, I think the real valuable thing that you have, civilian UFO organizations done was collect all this data. And there, that all that data exactly. has to be has to be entered into a database so that we can start looking at looking at the that data in different ways that we can't by just like pulling papers out because you know um, it's cross correlations and yeah correlations and all that may emerge by a kind of a meta analysis of all this stuff and I think that's what the importance the, to me of the 
of the, these APRO files are and, and getting them out of there before they get burned, disappear, or whatever? Well, I'm working on it. Um, I know who has them, and you know they owe me some big favors. Um, in exchange for access to the files, I did quite a bit of pro bono video work for them, and they, they totally freaking dissed me. And, um, send them a bill, Chris. Them. Send them a big bill and say, okay, you well, only Well, they were implicated 10, in a, a, uh, the selling of a stolen uh, crystal legacy of a crystal collection. Uh, it's gotten tawdry over the years. Um, it's, yeah, it's really not uh, – we're going to have to do a whole show on that subject, actually. The APRO files and, and, and the whole APRO organization are one of those kind of black holes uh, in in modern-day ufology. Not very many new people in the field really are aware of the role that uh, Jim and Cora Lorenzen played and the APRO organization played. James McDonald, uh, Bill Moore was on the board. I mean, this is somebody should write a book on the history of APRO. That would be a really good book, actually. I can tell them about my interactions with Cora Lorenzen, a rather crusty woman who hated yeah. me, by the way. Mm. Didn't like me at all. Jim Lorenzen was a real sweetheart of a guy, but Coral did not like me. Let's move on from APRO, and that's okay, a I worthy have discussion. But I have one. When are we all going to wake up down there? Uh, one of my favorite anthologies that I can think of is the Excluded Middle Anthology of Wake Up Down There, Greg. Um, why don't you uh, just give us a little thumbnail sketch for some of our you know, early uh, first-time listeners here. How much time do we have left? <laughs> Probably no, I, about I, four minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, Wake Up Down There was a collection of uh, articles from a magazine I published with a couple friends called The Excluded Middle, which we published from about 92 till about 2000. The book was published in 2000, and the, it contains most of the stuff that was in the magazine, including some other stuff. And it's, it's um, all the stuff we've been talking about, um, UFOs, a paranormal um, uh, weird science, uh, uh, conspiracy stuff, uh, psychedelics, all the stuff that I think uh, goes in the same category. I had a question for Gene. You do. Go ahead. Did you actually say that I had 49 listeners at one point? I think I was joking to Jim Mosley. Okay. <laughs> I was Ow. kidding with Jim Mosley. Gene, did you say that? Insult. Greg has at least 50 or 60. We have I don't know. Because he's 70. You know, I was just talking to Jim Mosley and just saying, you know, he said, how many listeners does Greg have on his show? And I said, I don't know, 49. I just made a reference. Well, I could have said you know, 69. I don't know. Well, it could be 69 million. Yeah. Well, live shows, I get about probably 20 to 30 listeners. Downloads, you know, I was almost right. Yeah. And downloads, maybe in the hundreds or thousands, depending on who's on. Subscribers, you can see right on my page at the bottom right now, people that actually subscribe to the feed, 368. Right. <laughs> Those are my numbers. <laughs> I am not a big player, and I don't care. I'm doing, the sh I'm doing my radio show, Radio Mysterioso, because I want to... The wanna, way you want. Yeah, I want to continue to talk to people that I want to talk to, and I refuse to make it commercial because... I want to be able to say what I want and do, do what I want. Somebody said, would you like to have Art Bell's... I mean... Um, host coast to coast like i would love to do that but i would be kicked off within two shows i think i might make it through one show but you know one of the things here is our network gcn yeah we've got a lot of breaks and some of the commercials get to be a bit wacky but nobody from gcn has ever called me or written me and said don't talk about that the only really big restriction we have is just not to use one of the seven deadly words or their various iterations 
Otherwise, oh, we use them all the time on my show. That's okay. The, okay. Love, well, and I'll play comedy records that have swearing throughout them, but I think it's important for people to hear the stuff. So you know, yeah, yeah it's a trade off. Yeah, I, I, you know, my trade off is I'm not. I don't think I'm going to make a living at this. So why should I be tied to anybody's concept of what I have to do? I mean, listeners will make suggestions. They will make requests, and I, sometimes I take them, and sometimes I don't. But I don't have to listen to anybody's opinions if I don't want. And that I like that. I mean, I think anybody would like that. Okay, well, Greg, so tell our listeners here I, because I maybe you, I maybe. don't know how many times. That's why I've told you I don't know how many times, Greg, that as a guest on a on a radio show, your show is my favorite. Well, thanks, Chris. I mean that, and I've always meant it. I have You've more fun, like, what, and I feel five? more comfortable on your show than any other show that I've ever appeared on. You're one of those. You know, Chris is a friend of mine. You're one of those people where we can, can you know finish each other's sentences, and that's rare. So, Speaking uh, of finishing sentences, we have to finish some very quickly here. But tell our listeners where they can find this radio show. Understanding, folks, it's explicit, it's forthright, but you have to check it out. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, you're giving people the impression that we're sitting there swearing half the time. That's actually a very small amount of what goes on. It's called Radio Mysterioso, R-A-D-I-O-M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-O. It's radiomysterioso.com. You can find all the shows there that I've done. They're posted. You can also subscribe by iTunes, and you can download the shows and comment there. I like to hear people's comments and uh, see what people have to say. We always enjoy what Greg Bishop has to say. Chris O'Brien's site, by the way, is OurStrangePlanet.com, recently redesigned and undergoing final tune-up. You can check us on Twitter at The Paracast. Greg Bishop, thanks for joining us this week on The Paracast. No problem. Thank you very much. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>